welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. I'm Alan, and I am joined by Brent. Hi. And a fully nourished ski. Yo, yo. And today we're going to be <laughs> discussing Season 2, Episode 4, It's a Miserable Life. As you know, <laughs> we go through our uh, recap first, uh, then we'll give our MVPs, <laughs> MVPs and then uh, wrap it up with our uh, rating out of eight slices of cheesecake as we determine Sophia's choice, the best episode of the entire series. And with that, I'll go ahead and turn it over to Ski for the recap. All right. Uh, the original air date was November 1st, 1986. This one was written by Barry Finero and Mort Nathan, and another one directed by uh, Terry Hughes. We find ourselves uh, in the living room. Sophia is sit, sitting down on the uh, couch holding a clipboard. Dorothy enters her, <laughs> asks her mom, How's, how'd you do? Sophia tells her that she got uh, 35 people to sign up. Dorothy is very excited to hear this news. However, when she starts to view the list that uh, her mother has comprised, she notes that three of the individuals are, are, that supposedly signed have actually passed away. Sophia then points out, uh, who are they going to tell? <laughs> Blanston enters and uh, has only gotten a single signature, but assures Dorothy that if she just showers and freshen up, she can go get another one. So do you think that Blanche is indicating there that she slept with the person for the one signature she got? Well, she was gone for three hours, I think Dorothy even points out. Yeah, that is the I'm one. guessing that that was her strategy with the first and will be for the second. Mm -hmm. So do you think they have a lot of eligible bachelors on uh, whatever street they live on? I don't know. Maybe they're not eligible. But <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, I don't just know. willing. I, I'm totally down with Blanche using all of her resources to get the signatures, but I'm a big proponent of not shitting where you eat, and it seems like that's a little, <laughs> a little too yeah. close to home. <laughs> to well, they use. could be you know, old haunts. She may have uh, knocked on those doors before. Oh, okay. So there are bachelors around the neighborhood that she, well, we'll hope bachelors around the neighborhood that she's <laughs> already serviced at some point or another. I'm, I don't, I don't or know. Or been serviced by, you know. I'd like the record reflect that she didn't say she was going to shower. She just said freshen up. Oh, okay. So oh, it gotcha. could have been a whore's bath. Oh, just just, <laughs> just a quick spritz of the naughty bits and exactly. <laughs> back on out to get more signatures. Exactly. <laughs> or perfume. They just go in there. So, yeah. uh, finally, we have uh, Rose entering, and she tells the girls that she uh, can't get Miss Claxon to sign their petition. And what's all this about? We find out that the girls <laughs> are, uh, <laughs> are working to uh, get some uh, some petition na uh, some names to sign up for uh, going towards uh, the effort to prevent the removal of a 200 year old oak tree uh, that is actually on Miss Frida Claxon's property. I wish they would have given any indication throughout the entire episode of why the city wanted to remove the tree because they, they never. Huh? They did. They talk about widening the road. Oh, so that's all just to widen the road? They widen the road, and then they're going to bulldoze the uh, tree, I guess. Hmm. I, I feel like that, that uh, I don't know, if everybody in the neighborhood is willing to widen the road, because, you know, obviously you're going to be losing yard space or whatnot in order to do that, then, yeah, honestly, I feel like a tree would probably be um, <laughs> the least of their concerns. Well, I think it was just mismanagement on the city's part by putting the road so close to the tree to begin with. Mm. I mean, really, I mean, it's a 200-year-old tree, okay? Right. Which means somebody, I assume Miami Indians, <laughs> planted it back in 1786. <laughs> I mean, Miami wasn't even a town until 1896, <laughs> so that tree was already 110. Right. <laughs> the first street. <laughs> well, let's assume that maybe at the time it was a dirt road. <laughs> 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 And then they just decided, you know, someone built a, one of their log cabins there behind the tree for the shade and whatnot yeah. <laughs> that it provides. And then, you Would know, you say no that idea. the shade was from a pine tree? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a shady oak. Yeah. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. That's but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, though, that if you have everybody willing to give a part of their yard to ride and widen the road, they're certainly not going to really fight over saving an old tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, perhaps had they tried to come up with a different solution where the people on the other side of the street just had to give up more yard mm -hmm. to widen it that way, then that would have been yeah. a compromise um, people might have been more willing to make. Possibly. But I guess either way, Miss Claxon wasn't having any of it. Yeah, she didn't seem to, to be a part of it. So Rose can't figure out why Miss Claxon you know, wouldn't want to prevent the city from cutting down the old tree. Sophia then explains that uh, with using some colorful adjectives that Miss Claxon is a horrible... Uh, mean old lady 
Yeah, I think a miserable, vile, scum-sucking crank is uh, one of them described her in that way. <laughs> Very nice. I like it. Uh, Rose <laughs> insists that there is some good in everyone, but Blanche agrees with Sophia that Miss Claxon is just awful, and you know everybody hates her. Uh, Dorothy then adds that last Halloween, half of the kids dressed up as <laughs> Frida Claxton. I thought that was pretty pretty great. Yeah. Uh, Rose again asserts that maybe she just needs some caring in her life and starts to compare uh, that to someone from St. Olaf, a man named Ernest T. Minky. Uh, just then, Blanche cuts her off, saying that suddenly she's very hungry. Dorothy and Sophia quickly follow her to the kitchen, uh, but this does not stop Rose. Uh, she follows the girls into the kitchen and then continues with her story. She goes on to explain that Ernest's who happened to be the town's uh, dentist and librarian. Right. An interesting dual uh, role there. Was kind of universally disliked due to his enjoyment of tormenting others, mm-hmm. which reminded me right off the bat, honestly, of uh, You'll Be a Dentist from uh, Rocky Horror. Not Rocky Horror, sorry. Yeah. Little Hop Shop of Horrors. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys seen that? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so Rose, however, saved uh, his life one day because she was working at the library, I think she said. And uh, his tie got caught into the uh, book stamping machine, which I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Whenever I've gone to the, the library, they just have like, a little hand stamp. I do think I've seen libraries where you slide a book in and it stamps it. Okay. Uh, okay. But yeah, I bet you're like, like, like a mechanical exactly. stapler yeah, or something. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Something like that. But, um, but yeah, I can't imagine they would have had that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, the, my question then is like, if it was a, if it was akin to like one of the automatic staplers, it's not something that'd be like on a wheel where it would pull you in. It would just like stamp you in and be done. Right. So it would just like put a staple into his tie, I would think. So it had to be some kind of like almost like a roller device. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how it would have worked, but uh, either way you go, I don't think I've ever seen, um, or I would I would not have anticipated seeing one <laughs> at the time frame that she's describing. But thankfully, thankfully, Rose was there to cut it with her Girl Scout knife. <laughs> Which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah, neither did I. I mean, I didn't know that any scouts had knives that they carried with them normally unless you got up to a higher level, but I honestly don't know. But uh, she used this as an example to show how some people just need to have uh, kindness shown to them because after her act of, uh, or her good deed rather, he let her keep a book for a full week. (laughs) I think Blanche even says, well, what's the big deal of that? Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Uh, I guess uh, Mr. Minky... Mm-hmm. believe that uh, books should always be in the library yep. and uh, not yep. taken out, which kind of detracts from the use of a library to me. Yeah. But uh, it seems like you just read it there. Like, why are you bothering <laughs> to check it out at all? Right? <laughs> you just go to the library to read the book for. He wouldn't know. need that machine then. Yeah, so exactly. Maybe he was unfamiliar with how well, it's used. What would be the point of the machine if it's only for an hour? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you may take it in the corner <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and be right back. Uh, so Sophia still contends, though, that the old lady Claxton is uh, all bad and refuses to help because she's just despicable. Rose tells the girls that she's going to keep trying to shower her with kindness and kind of win over her support. Uh, she then gets on the phone and calls while uh, while we can only hear Rose's side of the conversation. It's very clear that Miss Claxton is saying some things that uh, wish Rose some harm. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you did skip over one line that I thought was great from Rose there where she's talking about, you know, Again, the um, uh, Ernest E. Meeky, you know, the the dentist slash librarian that was an asshole, apparently. Uh Uh-huh. And that you could tell, because no one wanted to go to either one because he was so, uh, you know, crotchety, that the uh, people of St. Olaf were illiterate and had teeth that looked like Indian corn. That was (laughs) a good line. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how you could tell in 1938 who who was from St. Olaf. Yeah. I like that line. That was good. Yeah. I think the two times I watched it, I missed the fact that he was also a dentist. Uh, so I was just confused <laughs> by the whole Indian corn teeth uh. <laughs> line. Yeah, I thought that was one of the better lines of the episode. Yeah. But You're probably right. And now that have... you know, you probably enjoyed the line more. Oh, yeah. I'll put it up there a bit. Yeah. Well, just why do people care about the <laughs> Why do people have corn yeah. teeth just from not going to the library? <laughs> it definitely wouldn't make as much sense. Well, they wouldn't have been uh, so knowledgeable about tooth care, Alan. That's true. Maybe that would be the case. I but mean, when we were kids, how many books did we read on oh, I mean, oral hygiene? Yeah, I still read at least one book every couple months just to keep brushed up on <laughs> it, so to speak. I like that. That's brushed up, yeah. Mm. Anyway, so we change uh, <coughs> scenes. Uh, at this point, the girls are at the local courthouse now. Uh, oh, sorry. 
she was talking to Miss Clax on the phone, and then she was you know, wishing mm-hmm. her like I think she said something like, "Well, I've never sat on one, but wouldn't that hurt?" Right. <laughs> but yeah, we jump ahead. We're at the courthouse now. Uh, the girls are outside of the uh, court courtroom. Well, now, what do you think she was told to sit on? You know, because I know, like in Happy Days, you know, they would tell people to sit on it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you know, at times like go out to the field and sit on it, which you know I think would almost indicate maybe a pile of cow shit or something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe. I always thought it was attack. Attack. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you think she told her to sit on attack? Yeah, like a brass tack. Oh, fair enough. I mean, that would be painful, but yeah. it seems like you would know that sitting on attack would automatically be an insult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know, Rose is more... After naive. knowing more about Miss Claxton, I think it may have been something worse. <laughs> well, you know, like a, a railroad non, spike? A non, non-seat-based item. Mm, okay. Maybe something just sharp and pointy. Oh, like a razor blade or something like that? Or, or yeah, maybe like a, uh, I don't know, some kind of stake on the ground or something. Oh, know. okay. Like a pike? Yeah. <laughs> something more malice-based. Mm. Yeah, maybe so. She does seem like a real, uh, a real difficult person. Real winner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, anyway, they're waiting outside the... I don't know if it's really a courthouse. It, uh, it's definitely a city council-type building. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy and Blanche are uh, explaining to Sophia that uh, they can't staple a $20 bill to the petition because it would be considered bribery. Mm-hmm. And then they add not to respond, saying that that's how it was done in Sicily. Sophia then retorts that, no, no, bribery was the way they got things done in New York. In Sicily, they put a horse head in the bed with you uh, to inten- next to the intended persuadee. Blanche then uh, thinks Sophia is making that up, but Sophia ensures her that she is very serious and then gives a, an example of, I think, someone who was on strike, right? A road worker or something? Yeah, something of that nature. Like the one in the town who did whatever his job was had gone on. Tra- yeah. So I thought it was the trash man or something like that. But well, oh, yeah, maybe because he's, I think after that, she said he was licking the, the roads clean or something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then Blanche goes into a patriotic diatribe about how the justice system will prevail and find their just cause victorious. All right. Uh, Sophia then tells Blanche that uh, that sounds pretty confident. And then Dorothy explains to her that Blanche has then slept with two of the commissioners. So maybe her uh, odds are a bit better than she thinks. Sophia perfectly responds by saying, that works in Sicily and New York. <laughs> I think that's my second favorite line. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say one. that may have been one of mine too. Uh, Rose then rushes up to the girls and gives them what she thinks was quite great news. She tells them that uh, she finally got Miss Claxton to agree to support the petition and to help save the tree. Rose tells them that she bought brought over handmade Danish to her house every day over the last week. And finally, uh, she agreed after trying the prune Danish. Rose says the prune seemed to do the trick, and Sophia responded. Always does for me. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Following this uh, story, Miss Claxton actually comes walking up. And Blanche stands up and greets her, but uh, Miss Claxton kind of snaps back with, Who are you? So Blanche introduces herself and reminds her that she's her neighbor. And Miss Claxton then remembers and says uh, that uh, she watches Blanche through her bedroom window with binoculars <laughs> and uh, says that she believes some of the things she does in there are illegal and she's looking into it. <laughs> Blanche starts with, why are you miserable? Uh, Dorothy cuts her off and introduces herself in kind of a pleasant, relaxed tone to kind of diffuse it. But Miss Claxton remembers her, too, and says that, oh, you're the lady with nothing going on in your bedroom. <laughs> and then Dorothy again, uh, also says, why are you miserable? <laughs> and then finally, Rose comes in and stops and simply tells her that, you know, they wanted to thank her for uh, le- like lending their support to uh, uh, save the tree. And uh, explains that uh, um, they're glad that she's going to help uh, prevent the tree from getting cut down, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think, I, I don't have any idea what the laws are. Obviously, I know if you go outside of someone's house and peek in, that that's mm-hmm. definitely, you know, like you're peeping Tom and it's yeah. against the law. Yeah. If you're using something like binoculars to look from your house mm-hmm. into someone else's house, do you think that, <clears throat> that breaks any laws or do you think you're okay if their windows are open? I mean, they're yeah, fair game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you were driving down the road and someone had their windows wide open and you saw something, I don't think it's illegal. Yeah. I just didn't know if the use of something, like it's one thing to uh, see use, it with the naked eye as you, you know, uh, Well, and then she's also admitted to it. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it, again, it may just be that, hey, the window's open and whatever means I use to look in, it's, you know, it's My fine as long right. as I'm not on your property. <laughs> yeah. so. I don't know. The whole thing's confusing, though, because 
you know that, <clears throat> as we established at the end of the episode, if you step out their front door from their front porch, they can see across the street to the tree. Right. But you know, with inside <laughs> the house, their rooms are on the back side of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And roses would be the one that would be visible <laughs> more than likely, if, if any, from, yeah. you know, from across the street the other way. So. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she has a really big property. Yeah, just <laughs> maybe she has two houses, one on the one side with the I tree, and then one on the other side. <laughs> but seems, yeah, you're right. Though. That that does bring into a question a very interesting logistical. Maybe she has some of those like cartoon type, uh, you know, binoculars. Yeah, binoculars that like go around and curve and look whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like a down periscope kind of a. I like it. Yeah, situation. Probably so. Seems like the most logical. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Most most likely uh, explanation. Uh, anyway, as Rose is, at, is thanking her for uh, lending her uh, voice to it, Miss Claxon kind of stops her and reveals that she is not, in fact, there to help, but to make sure the old tree is cut down and that she lied to get the Danish. <laughs> uh, she goes on to explain that she's annoyed by cheery people, such as Rose, right. that try to be friendly and has no use for people uh, before then storming off. Sophia then starts walking behind her, and Dorothy asks, well, where are you going? She tells her daughter that she's going to sprinkle some holy water on Miss Claxon and that if she spits up pea soup and her head spins around, we're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, so now we find ourselves inside the council chamber. Uh, the gentleman, like the speaker, is announcing that a proposal to have an outdoor Menudo concert is being denied. I wonder why that would be. I mean, you know, don't they want Ricky Martin around? Uh <laughs> I mean, and I would think that that uh, band would be particularly popular in the in, Miami In Miami, area. yeah. I mean, the only band more popular would be the Miami Sound Machine. So, <laughs> but I, I was kind of surprised that uh, they wouldn't allow the outdoor Menudo concert. Well, maybe they're not, uh, maybe they're in breach of certain uh, rules. Or maybe uh, it's too popular of a band to where like the or outdoor. Or maybe it's too late. Too late. Too late, what, in the evening or whatever that mm -hmm. they're asking for? Well, yeah, I was thinking because like there's sound... Like, oh, okay. So maybe be like in a residential area, and maybe. so they're denying it because it would disturb. Or the maybe peace. they're racist. Could be. I mean, that's probably the most likely. I think looks like a bunch of white guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> Head well. doesn't much care for Menudo. Yeah. <laughs> well, looking stunned and a little upset, some individuals who are sitting right behind our uh, our Golden Girls, uh, looking to be of Latino descent, stand up with a disgusted look and uh, exit. I was so hoping that one of them would have been a member of Menudo, <laughs> so I already didn't Maybe. look at it. Maybe. I, I don't know enough about Menudo. If they were, there was nothing. I mean, it was a boy band with um, five young. There, I think there was at least one young guy out of that, but I, I looked it up. I mean, I looked to see if there was any mention of it, and I, <laughs> and there was not. So well, that's my a understanding of Menudo, though, is that it's like an ongoing thing. Possibly, like they change, yeah. like it's... Menudo is like the Commodores, like forever oh. Menudo, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I just know I looked up about the Menudo at that time. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> but yeah, like you can sign up for it now. Maybe I don't know if it's still it's a sign up for it. <laughs> <laughs> they have open auditions. Audition, audition. <laughs> but like, it's basically like a rolling enrollment type thing. Oh, where okay. Once you get to a certain age, you're kicked out, and then. Oh, so it only allows up to. I I think so. I only know that because I remember. Uh, back in this time frame, mm -hmm. <laughs> in like real time, they had a special on like uh, Saturday afternoon cartoons oh, or Saturday okay. morning. Like there was a Menudo cartoon? There was a special on after it. Oh, okay, about them selecting a new mm -hmm. member for the band. Now, granted, this has been 30 years oh, okay. plus, so my memory is a little sketchy, but <laughs> if I'm you wrong, I apologize to our Really missed patient. your opportunity. Mm -hmm. That could have been your ticket so, out so of this, You would have been six at the time? Probably about, yeah. <laughs> okay. it, was, it was a long time ago. Cut you some slack, I guess, if your memory's <laughs> a little fuzzy. But uh, he then moves on to uh, the plan to widen Richmond Street, and uh, which would include the tearing down of the 200-year-old oak tree. He asked for a representative wanting to block the proposal to stand up and speak. At that time, Blanche immediately stands up and says, Wish me luck. Uh, Dorothy then kind of grabs her arm and stops her and says, why, why would you speak? Which, I don't know, though, why would it matter? Somebody's yeah. willing to. But uh, she tells her that she happens to be a great orator and that two of the commissioners can attest to that. Dorothy then explains to her that orator means speaker. And Blanche looks stunned and then says, well, someone else should probably uh, do the talking then. Yeah. That was my favorite line. Yeah, that was. Like I'm not sure what her plan actually was at this point. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like obviously, with, 
you know, with the term orator, that yeah. certainly lends itself to, you know, <laughs> certain uh, certain acts that probably wouldn't Some be. Some innuendo for yeah, sure, yeah. E- exactly. And I don't know if she was like, all right, it's time to head to the chambers. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then I guess would, would then Miss Claxon be the orator for the other side? <laughs> so. Who's the winner, right? Yeah, exactly, but. Yeah, that that was that was definitely a funny line, though. I think that probably was my favorite too. Um, this has nothing to do with anything, um, but I was on a WebEx the other day, where they were discussing um, basically just increased in um, you know data consumption while people were working remotely mm-hmm. or whatever, and the, it was the there were six white dudes on the panel. Um, plus one lady, and it was the one lady who used the phrase, yep, and they suck the data pipe dry. (laughs) 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 And the ease with which it rolled off her tongue just shocked me. (laughs) And I promptly left. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, and I promptly I am her. (laughs) Exactly. It was just so bizarre. <laughs> Just suck the data pipe dry. <laughs> <laughs> so now, when you're at home using your computer, do you consider yourself to just be sucking on the old data pipe? I'm sorry. No, I kind of want to get really you one good. of those old time, timey like bubble pipes. You know, do you ever have those as a kid? I mean, I like vaguely remember blowed, them. Yeah. It blew bubbles, but it was like a little pipe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you one and yeah, put I'm like trying. a little microchip <laughs> on it and say yeah. the data pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you blow that. You don't suck it dry, so you really need like a... Yeah. Depends on if you love the taste of <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> That's true. So, uh, so at this point, Miss Claxon then stands up and says that uh, <laughs> she means to save them a lot of time, and she introduces herself and states that the tree is on her property, and she doesn't care if it's torn down. Uh, Dorothy then stands up in, in protest, citing that 60 people on the block, which is a pretty good-sized block. Yeah. And I guess they could have several people in one house, but still, 60 people is a lot, uh, that have signed the petition to save the tree. She also offers uh, pictures of the tree as additional evidence to the counselors. Ms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claxon then says, oh, I've got pictures too. Speaking of Blanche, the human slinky, she mm-hmm. calls her. Uh, the uh, speaker then asks in a concerned low voice, if there are any other faces recognizable in those pictures. Right. <laughs> I like that one. I think that may be my second favorite line. Mm-hmm. Um, Lance then uh, tells them both to shut up. Did she call Ed an old fool? I don't know. I think she said, you shut up too, Ed. Or something. Yeah, I, think, I don't think she called him a fool, but I yeah. do think. I've heard her say it before. It's like, you old fool. Yeah. <laughs> it's always my favorite Blanche moment. <laughs> so you're just inserting it now in this one. That's how you sh- she should have ended that sentence. You old fool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Next time uh, I do a recap, 90% of it's just lines I made up. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> At this point, Rose, uh, oh, she says, you know, Blanche tells them both to shut up. And uh, Miss Claxton again suggests the group stop wasting taxpayers' money, tear down the tree, and start pouring some cement. It seems to me, though, I mean, it's Miss Claxton's tree. If she wants it gone, she can just cut it down. Yeah, I mean, it, it's problem solved. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if she wants to save the taxpayers some money. <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand how it, it was is expensive save the to tax. cut down trees, too. So, Well, yeah, but it's more the, expensive to widen a road. <laughs> so. yeah. I think it's just the cost of the meeting and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, the yeah. dispute process. Yeah, but at that point, it's already, that money is already a sunk cost, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she's not going to save the taxpayers any money at that point from yeah. that aspect of it. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, I guess cutting down the tree, especially that old and tall of a tree, could be yeah. expensive. But still, it would be a lot cheaper. I would think the bigger concern road. would be the root structure. Oh, well, yeah. Because yeah, that would probably even go underneath where the road's intended to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that tree must have had to be right on the edge. I Well, we'll get to it later on. But um, it, yeah, it would have had to be right at the edge of her property um, for it to be impeding on the not necessarily like we said she's got that giant property that goes entire oh that's right yeah that you circles their house so uh rose at this point in a toll road yeah (laughs) (laughs) if they do it oh hey i got an idea maybe Mm. the the tree can stand there and then they can just put one of those like what's it called like the little uh 
partition. Like a, yeah, like not a drawbridge, a, but a the thing. little yeah. the little the uh, arm, arm that comes yeah, down yeah. to stop them from uh, proceeding yeah. at the uh, toll booth. Yeah, yeah. just thing. build that right in. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> Everyone like wins, Alan. Yeah. Thing. And saves the taxpayers money because everybody pays for the use of the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the people that live on that road and then have to pay <laughs> to even park in their own driveway. Sounds fair. Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose stands up now and tries to reason with her, asking, "You know, how can you hate a living thing?" Which she quickly responds to Rose, saying, "I hate you." <laughs> and that was the final straw. Uh, Rose exits her, her little row of her seats, walks over in front of Miss Claxton, and gives her a solid piece of her mind. Closing with, if you don't like it, you just drop dead. Uh, while telling, oh, Rose is telling her off, Miss Claxton's actually gripping her chest. Kind of looks like you know, she's in shock. Uh, as Rose finishes and walks away, she then falls right over. Yeah, and go ahead. I was going to say, the entire courtroom gets up and kind of moves towards uh, Miss Claxton to look closer. But it doesn't actually appear that anyone actually helps her or does anything <laughs> to save her. Yeah. Uh, I think Dorothy asks what happened, and uh, when, when everyone's looking over there, and Sophie explains that, you know, hey, when you said drop dead, I think she did. Yeah. Yeah, Rose is like Dexter. I mean, she's <laughs> she's is, got, like, quite the body count. This <laughs> is at least three since the show started. Yeah. yeah. Two well, by sex, one by yelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now, she's only killed one on the show by sex, right? Because the other oh, one yeah, was her husband. Her, but, yeah, um, that we know of. So. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We don't know of the, the other bodies that she left, <laughs> left behind her. But, yeah, she's... She's a powerful woman. <laughs> and so uh, we change scenes. Uh, we see uh, Rose now sitting in the kitchen. Rose has a very wretched look on her face when uh, Dorothy enters. We find out Rose hasn't slept for two nights and can't get over the guilt of what she said to Miss Claxton, taking uh, blame basically for killing her. Blanche then enters and also tells Rose, you know, she needs to get past this and that she killed Miss Claxton two days ago. <laughs> Which seems like a very short amount of time yeah, that was for one of everybody my fav- trying to tell you to get over this. Yeah, that was one of my favorite lines. I just like the fact that it's like it was two days ago that you killed the woman. All right, it's time to move <laughs> on. But. Uh, she then corrects herself, realizing how that came out, and says, I mean, she died two days ago. Uh, then she suggests that she uh, go to the funeral, have a good cry, and then get past this event. We are skipping over too the fact that we did see our fourth cheesecake of the series in this, uh, this scene. That's true. So now we were worried that you know high lie and uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember what the other thing was was going to overtake cheesecake, but uh, cheesecake now is back to a comfortable lead um, <laughs> over other odd references. So. so the current record is four cheesecake, two high lie, two Burt Reynolds. Yeah, Burt Reynolds. Yeah, <laughs> I think Burt Reynolds has been mentioned more than twice though. Like we have to go back. I think even the theater itself has been mentioned twice, yeah. and then of course Burt Reynolds, you know, the actor was. Uh, he was even in there. So. Yeah, pretty amazing. But, well, uh, hey, they're giving him all that advertising for the theater. It's the least <laughs> he can do. <laughs> right? Yeah, he was like, "I'd like to be on your show." Yeah. What can I do? So, well, we'll just build the show around you. <laughs> all right. So uh, Rose tells uh, tells her uh, in response that there isn't going to be a funeral, and that she had no friends or family, and will likely just be placed into an unmarked grave. Uh, Blanche then asks... In a potter's field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blanche asks the, the girls that they would like some cheesecake. So I didn't speak up over it. Oh. Uh, Rose... <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, Alan. Yeah, you can put your middle finger down now. Jeez. <laughs> hey, I didn't say it mean. I forgot that I wrote that down. Uh, Rose can't understand how you know she can be so callous about this issue. And uh, Blanche explains that... Yeah, she is not going to be mourning for someone that works so hard at being nasty to everyone. And Do- Dorothy kind of concurs. Rose asks how she would feel if uh, she dropped dead and nobody attended her service. Dorothy explains that, you know, she'd probably, it's personal, but she'd probably be more concerned about the dropping dead part. Blanche uh, then inserts that she knows her funeral is going to be packed because she already seen it when she was 16. Right. <laughs> Uh, Blanche starts by then telling you know, the girls how difficult time was when she was 16 and how she had to fight her strong urges, feeling like a quote-unquote trapped panther. Yeah, I wondered if that was maybe the uh, inspiration for Sex Panther. Um, the- I, when I heard her say trapped panther, the first thing I thought of was Sex Panther. <laughs> the second thing I thought of was your panther tattoo, uh, yeah. which I have dubbed Sex Panther. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely one of my uh, mistakes of youth. But um, <laughs> I like to just say that I'm, you know, part of the movement but uh, <laughs> and you can you can put that on you know whether it's me being 
you know, for racial equality or maybe in for sexual equality or, or sexual predators, predators. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as I would think a sex panther I would be. Don't know if that's a, a, an activist group you want to get behind. <laughs> yeah. Well, perhaps not, but, um, I just know that you love Better to uh, be behind them than in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he makes a strong point. Yeah. <laughs> but don't you, you love, uh, Anchorman. Oh yeah, Anchorman's two, probably right? my favorite comedy comedy of all time. Well, that's why I associate it so strongly. So. Yeah, yeah, it would make sense. I, it may be one of these days I'll have it touched up and changed to that, but unlikely. I think it's good the way it is. I yeah. think it's perfect. Yeah. Well, it's just subtle. It, yeah. Well, and it leaves me <laughs> plausible deniability. So. There you go. Yeah. But. Do you really have a tattoo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's my tattoo. Oh. I yeah. got it when I was uh, 18 on spring break, <laughs> as you can tell. Now it's uh, what. 23 years old yeah quite faded yeah i think i just thought it looked cool um yeah i don't think i knew this did you not yeah well i don't know obviously it's and not a fine enough tattoo that i'm out showing it <laughs> off yeah yeah nor am i a tank top man like yeah. like ski is here <laughs> <laughs> i don't know have you seen skis uh, <laughs> i'm gonna save something for the next episode yeah <laughs> yeah ski does here enjoy a tank top yeah <laughs> But Ski only enjoys a tank top if it's at least two sizes too large. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, um, I got a new Guided by Voices t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, So I grilled out tonight, so my shirt smelled like smoke, so I needed to change. Oh, so okay. I put on my new Guided by Voices t-shirt, and I was all excited. And then I felt uh, you know, a bit of a breeze on the bottom of my tum-tum. And I was <laughs> like, oh, well, I'm hanging down a little low on this thing, so I should <laughs> take it off and put on a real shirt. <laughs> now, do you... Uh, I probably haven't worn a tank top mm-hmm. since grade school, yeah. and even then, it was probably on the basketball team yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you? Do you ever? I don't. I've never seen you in a tank top. Do you ever wear a tank top? Uh, I used to to the gym. Mm, okay. um, and I guess I still have one or two that may still fit. That if gyms were a thing, still I could right. Wear, but <laughs> but so, yeah, not out in public. Yeah, not like to go to a social mm-hmm. event or anything like that. No. Okay. To the gym and to the gun show. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Which it takes place at the same place, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's definitely a, a style. Not a seven-day waiting period for these guns. Right. All right. So at this point, um, you know, we've covered uh, everybody at the table's uh, opinions on tank tops. And sorry. So I'll go ahead and let you. You re- know, you really didn't cover my opinion, but we'll come back to it another I, day. I don't think we need to cover your opinion. You're... S- Fashion choices cover it well. Uh, so. Or don't. <laughs> yeah. I only wear, well, first, first of all, I only wear sleeveless shirts of any kind, usually if I'm doing like something hot outside. Mm-hmm. And then I admittedly did wear a tank top when I went to Disney because we made all of our matching shirts. Right. And I will never live that down, apparently. Well, you also <laughs> wear them at family gatherings inside your house because um, we've all seen I was picture. doing... Uh, yard work directly prior to that. Oh, okay. So you're doing yard work and then you showed your guns off to all well, the... everybody decided to come over. I didn't have anything to do with that decision. Ah, okay. Well, fair enough. You've just been photographed <laughs> in a tank top many it's, times. It's very unflattering and <laughs> so I don't like some, to think about it. Did you have something to do with the decision not to put on a real shirt? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I try to get, you know, get a good tan on the, on the arms. Right. You know? Yeah. Maybe upper, you know, chest area. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that my youngest, um, her favorite thing to wear is like a, um, you know, a ribbed tank top. Oh, like <laughs> a wife beater type? Yes, uh. <laughs> I try not to use the word, but yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I think it's okay if you're describing a tank top as long as you're yeah. like, she likes it because she knows what I do to her mom. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I want to be like you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then she orders your wife back into the kitchen. To, exactly. Um, well, I think a tank top is fine on a woman, you know, like, I mean, that's uh-huh. a very common, you know, it, and they go all the way from like casual to, you know, business type attire with a, I mean, with like a jacket over the top or whatever. I mean, I've seen that or at least sleeveless, maybe not a, maybe like a, you know, but I still, still stand by. I'm not a fan of it on a man either way. Okay. So, but, and so I don't, what I'm saying is I don't at all, you know, uh, look down upon your daughter for enjoying her wife beater. Okay. <laughs> I do, I do look down upon your wife for enjoying her wife beater, but. <laughs> so we've got Blanche, and mm-hmm. she's talking about being a, a trash panther. Right. Which, in this case, is almost a sex panther. Yeah. In mm-hmm. the context that she's putting it, uh, she then Time goes. Time is a circle. <laughs> say what? Time is a circle. <laughs> 
She uh, then goes on to tell a story about how she came in second in the uh, Miss Magnolia Blossom pageant and was voted Miss Congeniality. And this was a slight to her. She vowed to have revenge on the uh, town for valuing her personality over her perfect body. Right. That was her words. That was probably my favorite line of the uh, the episode. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And she decided, and this seems extreme to me, to fake her own death. Yeah. With the help of a riverboat captain. Yeah. <laughs> Who she was seeing at the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know. I think to be a riverboat captain, you need to be substantially older than sixteen. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say. I mean, he had to be. Now, I, I at that time sixteen. <laughs> I don't know what the age of consent was and all yeah, that. And, uh, but still. Yeah. Um, that guy would have had to be in his 30s, I would think. Yeah. So, so real quick. So that's my youngest and her wife, Peter. Oh, okay. Very nice. She looks like she's ready to go yeah, to an Eminem concert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she looks comfy to me. Yeah. She does. Or that she's in a minor threat tribute band. <laughs> 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 uh, so she describes the uh, huge and beautiful funeral. And uh, talks about how she finally revealed that she wasn't dead after all. This, of course, then resulted in her daddy horse whipping the uh, riverboat captain and putting Blanche into a religious girls' school in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophia comes in, asks why they are all talking about. Uh, Dorothy, kind of having a blank look, tells her mom that uh, she honestly has no idea and how sometime, somehow the conversation had uh, evolved or devolved, rather, into Blanche the miniseries. Yeah. Um, Rose is trying to explain, you know, that they start off talking about Mrs. Claxton's funeral, and uh, Sophia tells her to make sure that, you know, let her know when the service is so she can attend. Dorothy is surprised by this, and Sophia disliked her so much. Sophia explains that it is the decent thing to do, though, and it shows the man upstairs that you have basic respect for human life. Rose vehemently agrees. Uh, Dorothy tells her mom, uh, or tells her that Miss Claxton is not having a funeral after all, and uh, Sophia adds that they should uh, cover the expenses. Right. Which is a pretty big thing, in my opinion. Yeah. Those can get pretty expensive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we do find that out with our, uh, at least they're trying to push uh, more expensive <laughs> options. But, yeah, even even at the cheap end, um, you know, they, they can run a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girls kind of begrudgingly agree and explain, uh, or when she explains that, it's, you know, it's good luck to bury someone you hate. I've not heard that before, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Rose tells Sophia that she's a wonderful person and she likes the idea of sharing the funeral expenses evenly between them. Sophia then corrects her saying, you know, you should probably pay about half. After all, you're the one who killed her. Yeah. Now, wouldn't you say it's good luck that someone you hate is having a funeral versus attending the funeral? Like, I think it's just good luck that someone you hate is dead. Um, yeah, out of the picture. <laughs> right. So, I don't necessarily know if the actual act of Maybe it's an funeral. act of domination. That could be. <laughs> Not only are you dead, but I'm burying you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put you in the ground. Uh, so we've seen change scenes now, and the girls are actually at the mortuary. And Blanche seems to be very nervous, saying that funeral homes make her uneasy. Uh, just then a man enters and tells the girls that you know he used to feel nervous at funeral homes too. Of course, he's, being, he's the undertaker or the uh, director of the facility. And uh, that's why they've gotten rid of all this morbid stuff. Sophia is suspicious of this, though, right. <laughs> asking him what kind of place you're running now. Uh, he guides him into uh, what he calls uh, a slumber chamber, a room filled with very extravagant-looking caskets, and uh, hands Dorothy one of his cards. Uh, Mr. Pfeiffer, right. the P is uh, not silent in this case, <laughs> originally assumes that they are there uh, playing Sophia's final arrangements, uh, but uh, they, of course, are not. I think... Uh, Actually, I think that's my favorite line because uh, she says, what did she say? Something about, I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> yes. I think I'm going to change that one. That's my face. <laughs> yeah, I thought that the audience really loved that, uh, <laughs> that Pfeiffer gag. Because, I mean, they do it about four times in this scene, and mm-hmm. every time it gets a laugh. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, what it, else did they say? Because Dorothy says something, too. I can't remember what the other thing, but just even just saying his name several times, every time they mention his Mr. name. Mr. Pfeiffer. Yeah. yeah <laughs> she the, says she's there to plan a funeral. Yeah, yeah that's there right. There you go. Yeah, that's it. But even when they were just saying his name various times throughout the scene, it got a laugh every time they yeah. said it. So. Which I thought it was funny, but I, I don't know the studio audience was a bigger fan of yeah. that than I was, I guess. It's very p- funny. Yeah, exactly. 
uh, but they explain that they're not there for for Sophia, but an unliked neighbor that, uh, and he points out Rose killed him, or killed her rather. Uh, he responds with, huh, rough neighborhood. <laughs> uh, they explain also that they're on a tight budget, and then he of course proceeds to show them and try to sell them on several very expensive caskets. Yeah, the Omega 3000. Yeah, the, the winner of the uh, 1985 Krypton Casket Design Awards. <laughs> he doesn't even say that uh, France has been talking about it. Yeah, I think so. Like, spring. Yeah, all the rage in Paris. Um, I, I was disappointed to find out that that's not a real awards. Uh, <laughs> does not appear to be any crypt or casket award uh, you know, program out there. You'd think there's some sort of a convention. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a, a pretty big industry. Yeah, uh, everyone know. dies. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just too morbid of an industry to have an award ceremony. <laughs> but I was a bit disappointed. Maybe there just haven't been enough exciting caskets to, yeah. to warrant such an award. Right. That <laughs> they perfected the model. And <laughs> I've never had to go forward since then. Uh, I think the mark of a good casket is not known for like 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe, maybe sometime like in the, you know, this century, they'll start having those awards when they're, you know, exuding. We'll start it, yeah. Exactly. Let's just, hey, let's pull a few up and check. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. Who's volunteering their, their exactly. ancestors? Let's see how that Omega held up. <laughs> the Omega 3000. <laughs> yeah, so there were at least 2,999 other Omegas, that. yeah. <laughs> before they perfected the formula. <laughs> A lot of people dying. I mean, you got a lot of chances yeah, to, to get it right. Just variations of brass handles. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, that was a good line, too. He said, all right, let's get down to brass handles mm-hmm. instead of brass tacks. Uh, they end up settling on a, a pine box, very plain. Yeah, 200 bucks versus the 6000 um, Which is a, a decent markdown. I yeah. think it's a definite uh, improvement in price. Uh, he asked so when they'd like to have the service, and he first suggests Thursday night. They very vehemently protest. And he immediately remembers that the Cosby Show is on at that time and apologizes. Yeah, it's our laugh. second mention of the second or third mention of the Cosby Show. Yeah, um, was it on the same network? Do we know? Yeah, it would have been. Because I was gonna say that if it wasn't, it seems like it'd be almost a uh, hard uh, like competitors kind right. of mention there. Um, they settle on Friday. Uh, when they leave, he throws a final pitch, asking if they've given any thought to their own final arrangements. But uh, I think uh, Blanche says, you know, when I go out, I want to go out with a bang. And Dorothy says, she's not lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a good line also um, about the going out with the bang. Well, you know, Dorothy's response to it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you either you thought about your uh, final, your, your funerals? or Definitely. Uh, so what are your plans for your funeral? I almost don't want to tell you because I want you to be surprised. Well, so so <laughs> does, does your wife know so that she can prepare for it? Well, you? she knows. Yeah, I uh, haven't got. I, I should be putting it down on paper so that there's <laughs> a plan. But uh, it's a rough thing because if you have a surprise planned, you know you're really playing the long game there because <laughs> you know um, you may be. It, you won't probably be able to enjoy watching the person be surprised unless <laughs> in the afterlife you get to watch the funeral. Hard to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I know I, I think about my funeral on a regular basis, um, <laughs> like music that I would want to have played at it and things like that. So. Well, are you willing to share? Sure, I I'll mean, tell you a little bit about mine. Okay. Well, I know that like some songs I'd want to have. There's a a Kesha song I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it's about you know when Your I'm gone. Lady lumps. What's that? Your lovely lady. Lumps. Uh, that's a Fergie song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, he's he's vehemently non-Fergie. Or no. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like Fergie fine. Um, I've not for funerals, <laughs> Alan. <laughs> well, maybe not for funerals. Hashtag Team Will I Am. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know I definitely want to have Skullcrusher Mountain um, on there, and then uh, Here I Go Again on my own. Um, <laughs> I want that one. I, I, I've got a handful. I do not know what Skullcrusher Mountain is. Oh, it's a. It was something you would probably enjoy because you like comedy uh, music, which I'm not generally a fan of, but I really like that song. So have, I, have we heard it before? Around I the feel time? like I've played it for you. It's not yeah. something that you probably would have ever heard on the radio, but it's basically a song where it's uh, like an evil mastermind type person trying to sing to a woman that uh, he likes, but she's not. You know, mm-hmm. it's like here I am again on Skull Crusher Mountain. Um, I thought you'd be happy. What's with all the screaming? You know, <laughs> like I, I made you this pet. You like monkeys. You like uh, horses. 
Um, maybe you don't like monsters so much. Um, <laughs> we have to listen to this after the show. Yeah, maybe I killed too many monkeys, <laughs> but isn't it enough to know I ruined a pony making this gift for you? <laughs> so. Brent, do you have any uh, final plans that you want to share? Yeah, um, I know the five songs are going to play at my, you know, thing, whatever. But it's just going to be all like, prints. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, it's and it's unfortunate because it's, it's just five Grateful Dead songs, mm. but they're only from like two different albums. Oh, okay. And so I feel really bad that I just completely ignored the other, <laughs> <laughs> you know, other you know, twelve studio albums plus all the live albums and stuff like that. So you really think we're going to be mourning you at your funeral for a long ass time if we're listening to five Grateful Dead songs throughout <laughs> no, the proceedings? I, you should be able to get through all of them in about less than twenty five minutes. Oh, okay. So you they're know. like five short ones, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're yeah. not the jam band style no, ones, where they no, go no, like. Are they live performances? No, they're the studio cuts. So, so yeah, the live Uh, ones tend to go on a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's um, it'll open with a broke down palace, and then box of rain, and then ripple, um, all three off American Beauty, and then um, um, uh, black muddy river, and touch of gray from in the dark. So you're choosing the the most famous um, Grateful Dead song as the one to send you out on for your yes. final song? Yes, I am. Huh. Um, because I think that's the one that most likely people will hear again, and then they'll think of me. Oh, very nice. You know, so I don't want them to have some deep cuts they're never going to hear again. <laughs> right. I want something they're going to hear on the <laughs> radio. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. I mean, it's such a stupid thing, but when uh, I was graduating high school, they had, you know, we had a senior song mm-hmm. that they chose. Yeah. Well, like, a, you know, I went to Catholic high school, so there was a senior retreat, which mm-hmm. I didn't actually even go on the senior retreat, but um, there was this terrible song that the priest's mm-hmm. um, brother uh, sung. I, I can't remember the name of the song even, but, you know, I guess this song touched the people who were on their retreat so much they ended up voting for that to be our fucking last <laughs> song. Yeah. And again, number one, it's a ter- final new frontier or something like that, yeah. but it's a terrible song. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and of course, because it's something sang by mm-hmm. someone who's not a famous musician, yeah. it's nothing you'll ever hear on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, there was a couple others up for uh, up for consideration, but I don't remember what they were at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, again, that was 1997. So it's been mm-hmm. a bit yeah. of a time. I, I know I'll, my main thing for my mm-hmm. funerals. I just wanted to be done as cheaply as possible. So yeah. you know, Ditto. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't bother to bury me or put me into an expensive casket. I'm down with the pine yeah. box. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, if it could be done, I'd love to be shot in a catapult into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I think that would probably be really expensive to get a catapult, you know, mm-hmm. and get out to a coast because being here in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, basically it's just like throw me in the ground and move mm-hmm. on. Well, maybe they can just use like a normal size, you know, um, like a slingshot instead. Yeah. All they need is just a hacksaw and a slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still getting to the ocean is still going to take some time. They're just going to throw my body in the trunk. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> With the little dry ice. To if, you're, if, you're not, if you're not decent enough to die at the ocean for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to make sure that my plans will line up accordingly. <laughs> exactly. I'd like to take a last long vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm betting that's going to happen in this amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so at this point now, we, we've made the plan for the funeral. Um, and yeah. where are we out then? They're heading out, and the guy tried to pitch them on oh, yeah, their own right. final arrangements, which led us down that interesting tangent. Uh, we flash forward a bit to the day of the funeral. Uh, the girls are sitting in the chapel dressed in their traditional black garb. Sophia is clearly upset, saying, such a tragedy. She says this a few times. But it turns out she is uh, listening on a small earphone uh, to a baseball game, and uh, the batter bunted with two men on base in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, Dorothy snatches the earphone from her. The girls decide, uh, you know, no one had come. It's, it's kind of time to go. But uh, Rose is very upset since some, nobody showed up to the service. And as they're kind of walking towards the door, Rose even says that she thinks she's going to stay a bit longer. Just, just then a nice uh, lady comes in and uh, is happy that she didn't miss it and uh, says, you know, she was a dear friend of the deceased for nearly 60 years. And they ask if she would like to say a few things. And, of course, she is happy to oblige. Oblige. Oblige or oblige? Oblige. She starts uh, talking about how kind and sweet her friend was and how... Mary Jane, you oblige. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
and how uh, she performed so many kinds of or acts of kindness uh, anonymously uh, for mm-hmm. charity, and how many lives were ultimately touched by this kind lady. Mm-hmm. And then you know our girls are like kind of obviously stunned by this. We go on to find out that she was actually there for a different funeral, and uh, when they correct her, she tells her that you know this is uh, Frida Claxton's uh, service. She apologizes for the mix-up, but then she recognizes the name, and she clarifies, you know, that it's the the same Frida Claxton that lives on Richmond Street. And I mm-hmm. said, yeah. And then she abruptly kicks the coffin, mm-hmm. and turns, and leaves. She got some lift on that leg too. Yeah, yeah. I, that was one of my probably my favorite sight gag of mm-hmm. the episode. Yeah, because the casket's a good two two three feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Rose finally agrees that Mrs. Claxton probably didn't have any friends, which kind of breaks her heart even more. Yeah. And uh, she leaves the room crying. Uh, the girls are going to go after her, but Sophia insists that the girls give her some space. Uh, we find out at that point that the mortuary also had a mix-up mm-hmm. and had accidentally cremated Miss Claxon. Mm-hmm. So you wonder who's in the pine box there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think if there's that mix-up, I mean, he just kind of gives them the ashes and, you know, palms the responsibility yeah. off on them. I really feel like if you made that mistake, then whatever amount they did pay for the funeral should be totally refunded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, $200. Say, yeah. Well, I mean, you, the 200 for the pine box, then, you know, perhaps they may have charged some sort of a fee yeah. to hold it there. Um, yeah. Yeah, but then I think that's a pretty big mix-up. Right. Yeah. But on the bright side, then it implies that, you know, Celia Rubenstein was in the pine box and the woman gave the correct eulogy after all. <laughs> yeah. It was everybody <laughs> else that was wrong. <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, he's holding a uh, brass-colored urn and he's, he makes the comment, we never should have hired a high school student. Uh, he gives them the urn telling them that the funeral home cannot uh, cannot hold on to her. But uh, none of the girls actually seems to want to hold it together. They kind of play like hot potato with it. Yeah. I think ultimately Dorothy holds it and they leave. Correct. Uh, scene change. We're back at the house at the girl's house now. Uh, Dorothy is sitting on the couch and Blance comes out of her bedroom asking if uh, you know she heard some screaming and moaning the night before. Dorothy tells her that no, you know, if you keep your door closed, I usually can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. Must be a well insulated house. <laughs> <laughs> well, she corrects her, saying, "No, it wasn't me." Uh, but she thinks that the noises are coming from the urn and that the uh, house is haunted by the spirit of, you know, Frida Claxton. Apparently, it was Sophia though making the noises as a result of some old cottage cheese. At that point, Rose bursts in the house, telling them that she spread the ashes around the old oak tree and had, you know, said a short prayer. But then she told the city. Uh, about laying the ashes around, and they agreed that uh, not to remove the tree as it would be disturbing the final resting place of somebody, proving once and for all that Mrs. Claxton's life did have a purpose in the end. Uh, at that point, they go outside. They're gathered to look at the beautiful tree, and this is the part we were talking about before. It looks like they're going looking across the street. Uh, Blanche says, you know, the tree is always beautiful, and it'll be a reminder to her to spread kindness, you know, and she wants to have she wants her life to have meaning while she's still living. Uh, Sophia then joins him outside and says, you know, it is a beautiful uh, sight. And then she likes how much the Great Dane is uh, paying its respects, as it were. Right. I I wished so much there at the end that the final scene would have been the tree. I I don't know how they would have done this. Maybe uh, like a storm going on outside or something like that. Or it could have just been from natural some other natural way, but the tree would have fallen down, you know, <laughs> crushing the old woman's house or, or, and then, you know, the entire episode would have been for naught. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, yeah. I would have like crushed the great name. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, obviously I, I didn't want, I would not have wanted those two to go inside. I would have said either or. Um. <laughs> yeah. Even in death, Rita Claxton got yeah. away. <laughs> so, yeah. She does hate living things. Uh, that's true. Yeah. A tree included, I suppose. Anyways, so yeah, that was a, it was overall, I thought, a pretty good episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've discussed uh, favorite lines here and there. Uh, who is your MVP for the Swan Ski? I think I'll give it to Rose again. I think she was the one that kind of was uh, the kindest. Although, I don't know. Uh, Sophia was the one that kind of had the idea to pay for the funeral. So mm-hmm. so who gets your vote? Mm. I'm still going with Rose. Rose, okay. And what about for you, Brent? Uh, Mr. Pfeiffer. Mr. Pfeiffer. Yeah, uh, his scene was definitely the funniest I think overall scene of the the episode, I didn't feel like anybody um, stood out. It was it had a lot of everybody in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was definitely a well balanced episode. Rose did the killing though, so I'm gonna give it to her. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, 
I think that I would probably also give it to Rose. Uh, it wasn't by a landslide or anything. It yeah. was, like I said, a fairly even episode. I will give it to Mrs. Claxton. Yeah, she was good. Uh, going over our guest stars, uh, Nan Martin was the one who played Mrs. Claxton. She was uh, in 143 things altogether, 26 episodes of the Drew Carey show, and um, she does actually come back for an ep- a second episode nice. as a different character later on. That'd be great if she came back in the same character. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Um, so Unless I'm wrong on that. Yeah, I think she came back for a second one. Um, and then uh, Thom Sharp um, was uh, the... Uh, Pfeiffer? Yeah, exactly. And I would have thought... huh? It's not just pronounced Tom? I mean, it's T-H-O-M. Is that pronounced Tom? I thought so. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess whenever I've read that name, I always thought it was yeah. Thom. But, yeah. uh, would you say Thomas? No, but... Uh, I guess never thought of it that yeah. way. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I thought he was funny. I was surprised. Yeah. He only in 39 things. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of commercials, though. Yeah. yeah, I've seen him a few times. I know was, I recognize his face. Yeah, and he did do voice acting on nine episodes of Dinosaurs. Um, yeah. So, was he not the baby? Uh, probably. I think he was definitely not the mama. But <laughs> I can't say for sure That's if he was the not, the baby. not the mama. Yeah. <laughs> Deep cuts here, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. Could uh, we record me saying the line correctly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we don't stop recording for anything, Brent. Uh, <laughs> uh, that 80 minutes ago. <laughs> right. Uh, Johnny Haymar, it was in 97 titles. He was the uh, the Ed. city councilman, yeah, Ed. Um, 20 episodes of MASH mm-hmm. as Sergeant Zelmy Zale, uh, which mm-hmm. I think we talked about MASH last episode. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't a big watcher of that show in reruns yeah. and whatnot, so. And then uh, our final guest actor was uh, Amzie Strickland, who was the uh, woman at the funeral, the person paying her respects. She had a ton of stuff, 271. Um, I recognize her, too. But she wasn't someone who was ever really like a mainstay on anything, mm-hmm. just tons of guest, yeah. guest roles. She had 12 episodes on the Bill Dana show. Um, I know you were a big fan of that back <laughs> in the I don't 50s. even know what that is. <laughs> 50s or 60s, whenever it was on. That's a good living, though. I mean, if, oh, if yeah. you can, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously yeah. a lot of actors and actresses really want to be, you know, the the headliner and stuff. But if you can be in that much stuff and still be paying the bills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a working actor. I mean, that's a, a good career to have for sure. Uh, I mean, that length of a career uh, yeah. is a solid career for a working actor, I should say. Um, <laughs> we had a group chat the other day going on at work. And. You know, I sent out a little message. I was like, Carl Reiner died. And somebody just not quite sure who that was goes, what was he in? And I responded, Rob Reiner's mom. (laughs) 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 Which I thought was really, really funny. (laughs) Zing. Yeah. 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 That that was an excellent line. Um, That was well-timed, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ski, how many slices of cheesecake did this one earn for you? I think I liked it actually a lot more than uh, some other ones. I'm going to give it six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah. I thought it was good. I thought that uh, Nan was a good guest star. Mm-hmm. Like I said, not so great that she earned an MVP vote from me, but still solid nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, but not quite as much as you. I, I would give it probably a five and a half for me. Yeah, I'll go with five and a half, too. I was leaning towards five. But, yeah, I guess I didn't give uh, Mrs. Claxton enough credit. Fair enough. All right. Well, I, I or guess Mr. Claxton, <laughs> Mr. Cla- what's that? <laughs> or Mr. Claxton, who put up with her, I guess. Well, right. Was, yeah, they never do. That was one thing that I had read was like they must whoever wrote these up was really searching um, mm-hmm. for bloopers in this episode. There was a couple really mild minor ones, um, but one thing that they mentioned mm-hmm. was that they talk about how she's always hated people, never married, never had kids, but they always refer to her as Mrs. Class mm-hmm. Claxton as opposed to Miss or Miss. Did she say yeah. that she was never married? I, I think that... Um, Just sort of implied. Yeah. Well, um, she says she didn't like people. Right. And and I get that. I mean, I've seen some very married people that are very unhappy, though, so... Yeah, <laughs> see a couple at this table. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess one way or the other... Either Mr. Claxton was a, a saint um, <laughs> to put up with her, or didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Either way. Maybe maybe he drove her to her her wretchedness. Yeah, her hatred of all people. <laughs> yeah. Maybe her husband had been you know killed in some sort of a 
you know. tree-related accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he had been hanging from that tree you know, many years prior. Who knows? That's, that's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess with that, stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.